Novel Finds, the podcast where we talk about your favorite books, our favorite books, and everything in between. Hey, it's me, Maggie. And me, Julia. And we are super, 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 can I say super three times in a row? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Excited to be back with our third season of Novel Finds. Uh, We're coming at you today talking about, of course, in honor of our first season and second season, our third favorite book. But before we do that, uh, Julia, was there something you wanted to share with the people? There was. It is just a quick reminder for those of you that have listened before and maybe a cool update for those of you that have not listened to us before. We have a Patreon. Now, Patreon is something really, really cool where if you like our show, you can support it by becoming a subscriber on Patreon. It's not just our show. There are tons of other creators out there, and it is a wonderful platform in which you get extra content from us for you. And we have tons of different tiers. Some of the tiers also get really cute little merch. If you want more of us, you should definitely check it out. Exactly. We do super fun stuff on the Patreon. It's sort of where we just let our creativity run and our freak flag fly. <laughs> we do Q&A sessions with ourselves, uh, fun little mini-sodes where we talk about the books we're currently reading. I'm starting to do something where I do monthly videos talking about every single book I read that month. And Julia is still doing her series of unfortunate events. where she's Trying. Chat- trying to. get trying. Um, but we sort of just do whatever we want on that platform. There's loads yeah. of fun videos. It's just a really great place um, to check out and also a really great way to support us financially if that's something that you are interested in. Yeah. Um, it's very cool. Very easy, very chill thing. And it's fun. And you can see our faces in case any of you were interested in knowing what we look like. Yeah, exactly. So consider it. No pressure, of course. Anyways, <laughs> moving on. Well, let's talk about what books we're going to talk about. Yeah. Julia, Yeah, what book are, are you talking about today for your third favorite book ever? Your third favorite book. Okay. Um, just like last season, I feel like I need to quantify that none of my favorite books are in an actual order of favorite books. Sure. Plus, we're going to be talking about one of my other favorite books, which would have been this one um, later in the season. So I couldn't do that one for this episode. So I had to pick a different oh, one. Oh, yeah. mysterious. I know. Um, but... A book that I really love and actually do recommend it to many people out there is a novella called A Psalm for the Wild Bill by Becky Chambers. Nice. Amazing. Yes, I am doing the book that I can't seem to stop talking about tomorrow (laughs) and tomorrow and tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. All right. Oh, these are two fun books. I know. I'm really jazzed. And you guys? On the UK edition, there's a quote from John Green and Aaron Morgenstern. Was this book oh, made so, for me? <laughs> yeah, of yeah. course. That is naturally for you. <laughs> it is. It's, <laughs> it's truly my cup of tea. Um, yes. What I love about the UK cover is that it's shiny. Yeah. Um, the UK cover mimics the video game design of the first video game these two characters make together, mm. which I think is well, very cool. I mean, the American cover has the same graphic on the front. Mm. Like, it still looks like that. It's just not sparkly. And so whenever I've seen it, I've just been like, nah, it's okay. Because my goblin brain loves shiny things. 
I'm like a little crow sometimes. I see all the shinies and then I'm just like, I want it. That's Which normal. was a real problem when I was in the UK with you. <laughs> yes, it was. I saw the <laughs> amount of books you bought. It was insane. I brought home 19 books. <laughs> that is true. I mean, it's impressive and it's terrifying. It's both <laughs> at the same time. I'm concerned and I'm proud. Yes, um, I am quite astounded that I somehow made it through all of the airports with a bag full of books on my shoulder, but also not surprised because I am that stubborn of a person. So, yeah, I mean, you did what you came to do. You I had did. to bring your books I home. Did. <laughs> I did. I can't just leave them there. How yeah. am I going to read them? <laughs> leave them just halfway stranded in the airport somewhere? No, you couldn't do that. You had to bring your babies home. I get it. I literally just thought about them as my babies as you were saying that. We get it. Hive mind, me and you. Hive mind. (laughs) We are one. We are one. Uh, So, Julia, why don't you hit us up with a summary of Psalm for the Wild Built? All right. So this one is going to be funky fresh because I did not write one down, but I've read this book so many times and talked about it so many times that I think I've probably got it. So A Psalm for the Wild Built is in the Monk and Robot little series. Becky Chambers has written two so far, but I imagine there's going to be more. It is about this tea monk named Sibling Dex. They are non-binary, and in this first one, trying to figure out what they want to do with their life. So they have been living as a monk for a while. They really enjoy it, but suddenly everything starts feeling really monotonous. And Mm -hmm. so then they go to their superior, and and they're just like, I want to be a tea monk. And they're like, okay, we can set you up with an apprenticeship. We can get you everything you need to do that. And sibling Dex is like, no, I just want to do it. And so they get all of the setup, the, I don't, I don't know, the monastery, that's what it is. Okay. Um, (laughs) The monastery um, gets sibling Dex set up with all of this stuff. And then they start pedaling their electric bike and tea cart around the continent, essentially. Nice. Yeah. It, Starts off kind of rocky because they don't know what they're doing, but they they learn. And it becomes a really nice kind of cathartic way to just chill and mm-hmm. express express oneself be- between sharing cups of tea with people. So the Aww. whole point of a tea cart is people will go up to it. They will talk to sibling decks kind of about their day and and how they're feeling. Sibling decks will put together a tea blend for them, and then they can just sit and chill for as long as they need, which is wonderful. And after a few years of that, sibling decks is once again kind of loving it, but feeling the monotony, feeling kind of tired. And so they're like, I want to hear what a grasshopper sounds like. And so they're trying to figure out where they can hear grasshoppers. And it's in the wild. Now, no one has actually gone into the wild because that's where robots are. But robots, at one point in the universe, all became sentient and all up and left. Um. Anyway, Sibling Dex goes into the woods and is approached by a robot and is the first robot anyone has ever has seen in like hundreds of years. And this robot named Mosscap comes up and and just asks, what do the humans need? They just, they're checking in, but then they start traveling together and it becomes 
this really interesting dynamic of robot and tea monk as they're like navigating through the woods. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Sounds very mellow. It is so mellow. It's so nice. It is literally so gentle. I love this book so much. And it's a very quick read. Nice. That's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. Give us a summary about tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Okay. This book defies summary. There's no way that I can really properly summarize this novel. So I'm going to start by saying that this book is slice of life in the very best way. Because I feel like sometimes personally, when I think of slice of life books or media, you automatically think like kitchen sink drama. And that's Mm -hmm. not what I mean. That is not what I mean. I truly mean you are peering into these people's lives. There's no like real structured plot. You are just traveling with them as they grow up and they figure out more about themselves and about Mm -hmm. each other. And it almost feels like you're just peering in. You're taking a little peek at how they're thinking and how they're feeling. And sometimes I'm totally stealing this from um, Alex who said this about a film, but it almost feels like you shouldn't be looking where you're like, whoa, I just, I'm really getting such an intense glimpse into how these people are, are -hmm. living their lives. It's truly beautiful. You guys, I'm going to rave about this book the whole time. So if you don't like it, I don't know what to tell you because I'm going to keep talking about it. So what I'm going to do now is read the inside flap mm-hmm. and then read the nice things the authors wrote on the back just to further emphasize my point on the vibes okay. of this. Love book. that. This is not a romance, but it is about love. Two kids meet in a hospital gaming room in 1987. One is visiting her sister. The other is recovering from a car crash. The days and months are long there. Their love of video games becomes a shared world of joy, escape, and fierce competition. But all too soon, that time is over, fades from view. When the pair spot each other eight years later in a crowded train station, they are catapulted back to that moment. The spark is immediate, and together they get to work on what they love, making games to delight, challenge, and immerse players, finding an intimacy in digital worlds that eludes them in their real lives. Their collaborations make them superstars. This is the story of the perfect worlds Sadie and Sam build, the imperfect world they live in, and of everything that comes after success. Money, fame, duplicity, tragedy. Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow takes us on a dazzling imaginative quest as it examines the nature of identity, creativity, disability, failure, and the redemptive possibilities in play, and above all, our need to connect to be loved and to love. What an inside flap, can I just say? Anyway, I'm going to read the back now of the nice things the authors have written. Um, So please bear with me. This is the thing that Aaron Morgenstern wrote. A beautifully wrought saga of human connection and the creative process of love and all of its complicated levels, intimate yet sweeping, modern yet timeless, Bits of this book lingered in my head the way ghosts of Tetris pieces continue to fall in your mind's eye after playing. So spooky. Um, This is what Tayari Jones wrote. She is the author of An American Marriage, in case you've read that. An exquisite love letter to life with all its rose gardens and minefields. To read this book is to laugh, to mourn, to learn, and to grow. 
And then finally, I will share John Green's Utterly Brilliant. In this sweeping, gorgeously written novel, Gabrielle Zevin charts the beauty, tenacity, and fragility of human love and creativity. So Aww, get ready, you guys. Yeah. That's really nice. Isn't it so nice? It's so hard. I recommend this book a lot to people, but it's hard to really say what it's about because it really is just about love and life and creativity and video games. And it's just so well written. You just want to stay in the world for forever. I love it seems it. like we both picked relatively gentle books. Yeah, definitely. I think um, Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow is a lot of really traumatic things exist in the world. Um, mm-hmm. There's abuse of relationships and there's like a really traumatic disability one of the characters has to has to go through. But it is not like a major arc that they have to overcome. So mm-hmm. in that way, it's very mild-mannered. Yeah. Oh, that's really nice. Yes. So, Julia, yeah, hit us up with uh, some fun facts. Okay. All right. All right. So the first fun fact that I have about Becky Chambers is that she lives in Northern California, which for those of you that don't know, I also currently live in Northern California. What? Um, yeah. So after this episode, I'm going to walk outside and start calling her name and see if she responds. That's super uh, weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, just May kidding. I I'm not, I'm not yeah. going to do that. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> I don't even know approximately where she would be. So it can't be like when we went to Portobello Beach just for the off chance that B.E. Schwab is there. I literally don't know where Becky Chambers even could be. Anyway, she also likes to look for bugs, which I thought was an interesting Mm -hmm. fun fact. Um, I stopped looking for bugs a very long time ago. So it's it's, it's interesting that she still does, which I love for her. And then my final fun fact isn't actually about Becky Chambers, but it's still (laughs) very exciting. So there have been a couple of times, I think either when I'm talking about this book or like other ones in a similar genre where I'm just like, it's sci-fi, but it's gentle. And I don't like, I know there's a word for it and I don't know what it is. And so I've just been like, in the back of my brain constantly trying to figure out what it is and all of this fun stuff. Yeah. And I finally found it. It is it is not cyberpunk, but it is called hope punk. Mm. So okay. sci-fi's subgenre of hope punk where the world itself is not super chaotic and it is still sci-fi but it's in a gentle way which was very exciting when I saw that. So that is a very funny name. It feels it like is. cozy sci-fi or cozy fantasy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, we need those. I'm, more it than ever. It can't always be an apocalyptic like aftermath. Not every time. I no. mean, every other, maybe. I mean, every third would be great. <laughs> like. <laughs> um yeah what about your fun facts how you how are you feeling um well let me just start by saying gabrielle zevin is a very prolific writer she's written Mm -hmm. 10 books oh shoot and she's won awards and been at the top of many lists Mm -hmm. um just a few fun facts about her 
she began her writing career at the age of 14 as a music critic for the Fort Lauderdale Sun Sentinel. Sentinel? I just don't know why my brain completely (laughs) didn't know how to say a totally normal word. Um, (laughs) She went to Harvard University. Um, She is the screenwriter of Conversations with Other Women, starring Helena Bonham Carter. And she is the screenwriter for the adaptations of her own books, which I thought was really exciting. That was and, super cool. Um, tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, I'm just going to brag about this book in particular, is a New York Times bestseller, a Sunday Times bestseller, the selection of the Tonight Show's Fallon Book Club, which I didn't even know exist until I read this fun fact. Yeah, what? <laughs> the Time Magazine's Book of the Year a New York Times notable book, and the winner of the Goodreads Choice Award for Fiction. That's too wow. many things. That is a lot. You wouldn't even be able to see the cover if you put all those awards on there. You would not be able to. It would just be a giant list. Um, <laughs> but my final fun fact about Gabrielle Zevin is that her mm-hmm. books have been translated into 39 languages, which Dang. is awesome. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That is so cool. So... Yeah. All right. Fun facts. Yeah. (laughs) I love those fun facts. You told me that they were medium, but I think they're very cool. Oh, thank you so much. I just felt like I didn't go out of my way to find anything really niche, which I I sometimes do either, which is kind of funny considering one of them is she likes to look for bugs. That's true. But that's just out there for anyone to see. I feel like people who like to look for bugs love to talk about how they like to look for bugs. <laughs> like, Fair, because it is a very niche hobby. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the first things I knew about Anna Ferris is that she collected bugs. She what? She collects bugs. I didn't know this. Oh, yeah. She collects bugs. What an odd duck. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's in the, I mean, <laughs> do, do what you love. Live your yeah. passions. But It's not That's... hurting anybody. Well, it's the box. It's hurting <laughs> I take that back. Um, <laughs> so for our bug listeners, I apologize. We extend a warm apology to you. Yes. Wrap our apology up in a cocoon. Well, Julia, yes. um, I guess just a little warm-up question oh, before warm we up really question. delve in okay. to uh, these books. Mm-hmm. How are you? How is your life? Tell people what have you been up to? They're curious. They haven't really talked to you in two months. I know. I kind of fell off the face of the earth for a little while. Um, I'm good. I have been busy mostly because in basically all of January, I was with you. I was in the United Kingdom. Heck I, yeah. Yeah. Traversed all over Scotland and England. It was very cool. Um, My goal is to move there. So if anyone wants to help fund that move, hit me up. Um, Because your girl does not have a lot of money. Um, No, just kidding. Uh, well, no, I'm not kidding about that. I'm just kidding about like funding it. It's fine. Um, I will figure it out. But wow, that got away from me. Um, now that I'm back in the United States, I have been working up a storm because the youth theater program that I run is starting up soon. And so getting everything ready for that. And I will be starting my next class at some point, I'm taking a copy editing program. So that is very cool. Really just all around a busy gal. You, you know, are living busy, it up. Busy. 
Yeah. Reading books, watching TV, and sleeping when nice. I'm not working. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Good for you. Thank you. How about you? Um, I have been good. I've also been really busy because, of course, as you know, you were here visiting mm-hmm. me. It was so, so great. Oh it was God. super fun and super great. So great. <laughs> um, and so now I'm kind of just getting back into the swing of life once more mm-hmm. and working full time at Topping and Company Bookstore. If you guys are in Edinburgh, totally come and visit me. Oh my God, and, you should. Yeah. <laughs> and um, doing this little podcast and just really living my life. It's finally starting to get a little bit warmer. So taking my dog for walks and chatting with friends, just vibing. I'm just trying to, my goal, one of my goals for this year is to be more present, which is one Mm -hmm. of the reasons that I deleted my personal Instagram just because I was wasting so much time on social media. So now I'm just trying to talk with people more and look at the outside and read more books and spend less time scrolling. So trying to do that this February. Yeah, I love that for you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Also, I mean, we don't really have time for social media. I mean, I I make it work, but dang. I know. You guys might have noticed we haven't posted in like 17 years. Um, I have forgotten how to have time (laughs) to do anything (laughs) other than be alive. (laughs) Every day I go to bed so tired and wake up like I just, I didn't even dream. I just slept. Oh, so, so you just deeply. like conk out right when yeah. your head hits the pillow. One hundred percent. I Dang. don't know how to how to have the energy <laughs> to do anything else. Well, um, I still have a social media, but I don't post that often. The most I posted recently, I think, were the trip photos. Oh yeah, and oh, I went to go see a play. I went and saw. Uh, touring Broadway musical. So that's another post that I did. But I generally don't post that often. I post like the monthly books that I do. And then if I'm painting something, I'll post that. And sometimes a picture of myself just to show people that I'm still alive. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's not It's not that much. <laughs> well, <laughs> Julia, uh, yeah. let's bring it back to these books. How did you mm, okay. come across A Psalm for the Wild Bill? Um... I don't remember. <laughs> I I think that I read it on on NetGalley. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's where I read it, or I saw the summary for the second one on NetGalley and was like, "Oh, it's a sequel, but it sounds really cool." So I'm gonna find the first one and read that first. Okay. Yeah. Um. I I think I think that's probably how it happened. Um. But the cover of it is also really pretty, so it's very possible I just pulled it off the shelf at Barnes & Noble and was like, I like this, and then just took it and bought it. That's very possible as well. Yeah. Like, I, I literally don't know. I could try and figure it out and give you a more specific answer, but I like the one that I've given you. So That's fine. Yeah. Keep it a mystery. I'm fine yeah, with that. Yeah. How did you find Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow? Well, I had always been aware of Gabrielle Zevin as an author, although I have not read anything of hers um, until this. And I started working at a bookshop and we got loads of signed firsts of this book. And I thought to myself, whoa, this book looks beautiful and I'm Mm going to read it. And do you ever just have a feeling about something? Yes. Like beforehand, you just know that you're going to love it and you know Mm -hmm. that it's going to change your life. and 
You just know, you know, deep in your soul. That's what it was like with this book. Like before I even read it, I was like, this book is going to be one of my favorite books that I'll ever read. I already love it. And I couldn't really explain why, but I was correct. So So did you, does that, when you have that feeling, does that make you ever like wait to read it? Or do you like devour it immediately? Like, do you ever get nervous that you might be wrong about that gut feeling? I don't ever get nervous about that because if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And that doesn't Mm -hmm. really bother me. Um, But I very rarely have a gut feeling that intensely about books. Mm -hmm. So I usually tend to just trust it. But I will say it makes me more comfortable to take my time to get to it because I just know that I'm going to love it. So I might as well read other things before I get Mm -hmm. there. I don't really know why, but that's the way my brain works. But I'm never nervous about it. Okay. I think because that happens to me every now and then. And then I just kind of put it off because I I am worried that it won't actually live up to my expectations. And then I read or watch it and I'm like, why was I waiting? This I could have read this like five times by now. Exactly. Um, you could have enjoyed it and loved it. And the worst thing that happens is that it's not a favorite and you move on. Yeah. I, I mean, that's just the way my brain works too. I get it. But don't be yeah. afraid, Julia. It'll be all right. Thanks. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> Maggie, what is the genre of Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow? It is, you guys, literary fiction. Not romance, not fantasy, not dystopian, not YA. I know what you're thinking. Who is she? This is just straight up literary fiction. I mean, we don't get a lot of those, to be honest. Like I know. Okay. So Yeah. Who am I? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can tell you, because I already told you this earlier, I'll just remind you. Psalm for the Wild Built is science fiction. What? Also, and the subgenre is hope punk. Hope punk. That's kind it's, of hard to it say. Was, it was written as one word. And I'm just like, I don't, Americans don't emphasize the middle letters very well. And so otherwise I'd say hope punk. And I feel like that sounds like ho-punk. And mm. that is is close to ho-dunk, right? Like. There's just so many things going through. Where are you going? I don't know. (laughs) But hope punk as one word. Perfect. And what would you say makes this one a favorite for you? It has a lot of very poignant moments in it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't want to say like considering it's a science fiction, it has a lot of poignant moments because I feel like that is doing a disservice both to science fiction and to non-science fiction books that just have that. I just think it is really well written and I liked how quick of a read it was and how complete the universe is. Yeah. Um and then also there are moments in it that make you just kind of sit and think, which is nice. No, that I think that's really good. And I do think as well the genre of hope punk, which I've not heard of, but like <laughs> cozy fantasy and cozy sci-fi is really having such a resurgence like i don't know cozy crime and cozy mysteries have sort of always existed but Mm -hmm. i feel like other genres you know people who normally read fantasy and sci-fi it's usually quite intense and people i think are yearning for that genre but in a more relaxed setting they absolutely are uh to the point where Tor Publishing Company has now started like an imprint called Bramble 
That's like oh, yeah. a sci-fi fantasy romance imprint, which is so exciting. I am very excited for that. Me too. It's probably going to be my new favorite imprint ever. Honestly, ever. same. Like <laughs> so. I love Tor. Um, and this is the Psalm for a Wild Bill is from Tor.com. Like that's that imprint. Mm-hmm. Um like anything tour, I'm just like, give me all of it. Um, and so then to hear that they're doing a romance imprint, I'm just like, ah, it's, it's so super cool. exciting. It does make me really want you to read Legends and Lattes because I have been meaning to read that forever. I wanted to get a copy from the UK because I like the UK cover better, but then I didn't because I, I don't think I saw it in any stores by the time I was actually going around trying to find it. Okay. Yeah. Like I saw it in the first two and then the other 17. I was like, I found other books. Yeah, that's fair. You had purchased many books, but um, a little bit of a hint to our listeners. I'm Mm -hmm. interviewing the author of Legends and Lattes, which is such a cozy fantasy book that I'm dying for Julia to read. I know. I've been meaning to. I will. I will. I will. I know. I believe you. Okay, so why is Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow a favorite for you? It's really hard to pin down exactly what what really hits me with this book, but I think I just love the fact that this book really is about creativity and love without it being a romance. Like the characters in it love each other so much, but none of them are really romantically invested or interested in one another it's just Mm -hmm. how our souls can be connected to someone and what that means for the rest of our lives and I just think as someone who's also pursuing a creative career I just think it has some really interesting takes on money and ambition and what do we sacrifice when we sell something for money and how important is it to have artistic integrity and Mm -hmm. all of that. And it's just, it's so beautifully written. You just, I, it's one of the books that I, I read so slowly and I'm typically a very fast reader, but I didn't want to leave the story. I just wanted to soak in every single word. It's just so good. Well, you know, Maggie, you can always read it again. And I plan to, I, I, you guys, this is bold. This is going to shake your world, Julia. I think this might be my new favorite book ever, ever, <gasps> ever. I know. Oh, man. I know, but I mean I it. love that for you. I really mean it. I It's sticking with me in a way That's that awesome. a book hasn't in a long time. I love it so much. I want mm-hmm. everyone to love it and read it and cherish it. Oh, so, <laughs> yeah. I love it. Oh, I'm tearing up over here. Don't cry. <laughs> I'm not going to. <laughs> Uh, do you have a favorite line or section you want to share? Um, it was really hard to pick a favorite line or section, but, Mm -hmm. um, I had a section that I really wanted to share because it's the only section that takes, um, the point of view of a character that doesn't really play a major role because there's the two leads, Sam and Sadie, but every so often the point of view goes to their third friend, Marks or, Sam's mom or another character that plays a really vital role. But this is just from the point of view of the nurse who is taking care of Sam after he had an accident. And I just thought it really um, pinpointed the love 
that these characters have for one another. And it just gives you a good glimpse into the writing style. Mm-hmm. Okay, here we are. The attending nurse, who was in her 60s and approaching retirement, let them stay until midnight. She was enjoying the sound of their laughter, their banter, and their gentle teasing. A game she often played with herself to pass the time was to try to figure out the relationships between patients and visitors. She liked to name the people as she imagined what their lives and connections were. The hurt boy she called Tiny Tim. The Asian boy, who looked like a fashion model or a soap opera heartthrob, was Keanu. The petite, pretty brunette with the thick eyebrows and the whimsically crooked nose was Audrey. Tiny Tim looked slightly younger than the other two. Audrey and Keanu didn't seem to be a couple, though it seemed like Keanu wouldn't have minded if they were. In a strange way, Tiny Tim looked as if he could be their son, though the ages didn't make sense for that. Maybe Tiny Tim was one of their little brothers. Maybe Audrey and Tiny Tim were a couple. Or maybe the two boys were the couple. Keanu had been so gentle when the boy had asked for water. And yet the sense of ease between Audrey and Tiny Tim was palpable. While Keanu sat in the chair, Audrey lay in the bed next to Tiny Tim, their fingertips casually touching, in the way of people who were entirely comfortable with each other. She almost seemed to be an extension of him, and he of her. There is love there, she thought. In the end, she decided, with some amount of disappointment, that none of them were involved romantically. Oh. (laughs) And that, I just think, encapsulates the relationships of, of the book. And I just really liked that little part i i love that she's like shipping all of them <laughs> she's like be That's a adorable. <laughs> yeah. yes, kids yes oh <laughs> uh, but i mean that's like the sort of thing i would do if yeah. i worked around people that i didn't actually know oh me too absolutely yeah i would be super curious about their lives all of the time yeah. yeah i mean if you were in that movie is that the character you'd want to be the nurse, the 60-year-old nurse? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. I didn't know she was 60. It's not like you said that. I did say that. That was the first line I said is that she was 60 and approaching retirement. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be an old lady. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Julia, do you have a favorite line or section that you would like to share? I have two, if Ooh. that's all right. I'll Um, allow it. Thank you. I appreciate that. The first one is after sibling Dex and Mosscap have been traveling together a little while. Mm -hmm. Um, Because Mosscap is a robot, it doesn't actually need to eat anything. And it's very, like, polite about it. But sibling Dex is uncomfortable with being unable to offer Mosscap anything. So okay. then when like sibling Dex has to eat, they get like it dinner has been feeling weird. Um, and so this is how they they solve it. And it's really cute. It's funny. They set their plate down on their knees, sighed in thanks to their God, then looked up at Mosscap, jutting their chin toward the robot's plate. You gonna eat that? If Mosscap had been confused before, it was in a full state of befuddlement now. We just discussed that I, Dex held up their hand, say, no, I'm done. You can have it if you want. Mosscap's eyes flickered. Um, no, I'm done. It repeated slowly. You can have it if you want. Dex nodded and took Mosscap's plate. Thanks, they said, wasting no time and tucking in. I appreciate it. The robot watched as Dex continued to eat. 
That's very silly, Mosscap said. Yep, Dex said, and entirely unnecessary. <laughs> Dex took a gulp of ale and exhaled with pleasure. Worked, though. Mosscap weighed this and then gave an amused nod. Then that's what we'll do. And so that's just like them problem solving. De sibling Dex took half of their plate and just put it on another one and then sat it in front of Mosscap. <laughs> and then the 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 social pressure of like offering someone something and then they're saying no you can eat it so then he ate the or they ate the rest of their dinner it was just i like it i think that's very cute no, and that that's they really sweet right yeah um okay now this next one is when they finally kind of get where they're where sibling Dex is trying to get to in this book. And Mosscap is talking to sibling Dex because sibling Dex is trying to figure out, you know, what is their purpose? Because if they're bored with this sort of thing, then why why can't they figure out what their purpose is? And this is Mosscap's response. Okay. You keep asking why your work is not enough, and I don't know how to answer that because it is enough to exist in the world and marvel at it. You don't need to justify that or earn it. You are allowed to just live. Oh, I love that. I know. It's so great. Yeah, that no, that's really, really nice. I feel like even though I have not read the book, that's mm -hmm. like the lesson of the book. Yeah, it, it <laughs> absolutely is. Um, and then the lesson of the second one is, is I don't, I haven't read that one as many times as I've read the first one, but I would say the second one takes on a different lesson, but also still just as poignant and nice. Okay. Nice. Nice. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Yeah. Well, um, Julia, who would you say is your favorite character and who would you say is your least favorite character? You know, I don't know if I have a least favorite character. But I would say my favorite is probably Mosscap. Yeah, I could um, tell. Could you? Is it because all of my quotes were were of Mosscap doing something fun? Yes. Um, <laughs> that helped. That I like sibling decks a lot, but Mosscap is just so inquisitive. And I love the name Mosscap. Their name is actually much longer. But the way that robots get their names is like it's the first thing they see when they wake up. Like when they have after they've left and like lived in the woods. But Mosscap isn't actually one of the robots that left. Mosscap is a wild built robot. And so once it became sentient, like once it was put together and woken up, the wake yeah. up and slash birth is like the first thing they see is their name. And so Mosscap talks about some of its friends and like one of them is named Broken Twig or something like that <laughs> and, and or like Crawling Ants and no. just different things like that. And it's just so funny and clever. <laughs> yeah. So do you feel like you would personally want to have a wild-built robot? If they were as nice as Mosscap was, maybe. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Who is your favorite character and least favorite character? Um, That's really tough when it comes to my favorite character. My least favorite character is definitely um, Dov. 
who is Sadie, one of the protagonist's professors. And Mm. he is one of those really cruel professors who Mm -hmm. thinks that they're really inspiring when they really just take you down all of the time. But he is very supportive of her career um, in sort of a toxic way. But he thinks that she's really brilliant and has a lot of promise. But the two of them end up being in this really toxic, semi-abusive relationship. Um, and he is the worst. And I don't care Sounds for him at all. Yeah, don't care for him at all. Um, my favorite character, I kind of, I really love everybody else. And I really understand all of their points of view. I would say I'm always kind of rooting for Sadie. Um, I am always curious to hear what she's thinking and what she wants. And I relate to her a little bit more just because she's very defensive and very introverted. Um, and mm-hmm. she's really passionate about her art, but I really love everybody except for that except for professor. Dove. Yeah. yeah, but he exists yeah. to not be enjoyed. So, <laughs> so the universe in your book seems very Earth-like. Is there anything that is not in, on already in here? Is there anything that you would take <laughs> from that book um, and put it? Here. <laughs> it is not only Earth-like, but it takes place on planet Earth. What? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> it's literary fiction. It's all real. It's realistic mm-hmm. drama. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be curious to play the games that they create. I would say reading this made me want to play video games, and it made me realize how many sort of meta and artistic and creative video games there could be, because mm-hmm. all you sort of hear about is, you know shooting games or super mario which i love mario kart game that one cat game so it really opened my eyes to um what can exist for for the world of video games and it definitely made me appreciate them a lot more than i had done but other than that you know what about you um you know i don't really know uh this is not like this is a sort of earth-like thing um, but the world is called Panga, which mm-hmm. I mean is kind of like Pangea, but it is Panga. And um, I mean, I really like the tea cart that Sibling Dex drives around, just because it's it's a um a bike, but also a kitchen, but also a shower, and like there's a little loft with a comfy bed, and mm-hmm. so it's like this whole traveling caravan that has like tea and stuff in it it just it sounds really cool I don't think I would actually like living in it because I like spreading out um (laughs) but I would I would definitely like stay in one for a weekend and be like this is fun and then go back to sleeping in a full-size bed that's fair but that would be cute it'd be a super fun experience yeah yeah so that's that's what I think maybe Nice. Well, I know we've also talked a lot about how cozy your book is, yeah. but would you say that there is at all an antagonist or an antagonistic force in your story? Not entirely. I mean, I think the most antagonistic force is really just Dex dealing yeah. with their feelings mm-hmm. about their purpose, which I think a lot of people deal with. At one or multiple points in life when they're just like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing right now. What am I supposed to be doing? 
But then you've got a little moss cap coming in saying it's okay to just exist. You don't yeah. have to do anything. Like your your purpose has been fulfilled by just existing and and appreciating nature. Nice. No, that's really mm-hmm. really beautiful. Good lesson. Yeah. Yeah, really I know, right? Yeah. I think everyone should read this book. <laughs> well, that does make sense if it is your third favorite. Yeah. Is um Dov the main antagonist in your book? Not really. I mean, he's in it on and off throughout, but he doesn't really play much of an antagonistic role after like the first third maybe of the book. Okay. Um I would say like the major problem is communication and oh, the fact that no. these two characters feel betrayed by one another at different times throughout their careers and their lives. And when they feel betrayed, um, they hold it in. And it's very interesting because it's not sort of in that cringy way, which you tend to get a lot in rom-coms where mm-hmm. they just won't share their feelings. So now we're mad at each other and now we're mm-hmm. going to break up. But it's more so how they're interpreting everything that they, everything that is said and everything that is being done. Mm -hmm. And so if one of them shows up to work late or doesn't fight for a certain idea or does X, Y, Z, the other person like just feels like they know them so well, they know why that they are doing that. Mm, And that they don't actually know why. Yeah. And it leads to them feeling betrayed about certain mm. things. And okay. yeah, it's just themselves getting in their own way. But also as you flip between their two points of view, you totally get where they're both coming from, which I think is very interesting. Uh-huh. So yeah, it's themselves. Yeah. They are their own worst <laughs> enemy. All right. So another similarity between our books. Is yeah. <laughs> there, it is a fight with themselves. Yeah, truly. Yeah. Um. Is Gabrielle Zevin turning this into a movie? She is. <gasps> Very exciting. There was a 25-person auction, and Paramount Studios won, and it's being turned into a film, and Gabrielle Zevin is currently working on the script, and I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Oh, I'm so excited. so cool. Yeah. That'll be awesome. It's going to be amazing already, I know. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, do was there any sort of timeline on when it would be out no i don't really i mean i know that sort of thing takes forever but i love that paramount has it and it is being a thing developed no yeah me too i'm super Mm -hmm. excited what about you i don't think so i haven't heard anything but if i look it up later and then see that it is i will text you yeah (laughs) and let you know (laughs) do you think that it would suit a visual media or is Um, it better as a book I I would love to see this universe in a visual media. I don't think it would suit at, as a live action. I think mm-hmm. it could be really well done artistically, um, like drawn. Yeah. Just I don't know. I mean, the the covers are very cool. And so if they made a limited series on each book based on just like the art that's on the covers I would watch the shit out of that it would be so cool um but I do kind of think that it is better left as the novella form that it is yeah I mean just based on the little I know of it from what you've said it just sounds Mm -hmm. like something that is better suited as a book 
I mean, just picturing it on your own is a really nice feeling. And I think you glean more from it because you are the one creating the universe in your head versus like seeing it. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I completely agree. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Are there any headcanons or theories that are around about tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow? I have to be honest. I never know. (laughs) <laughs> I never know when there are headcanons or theories about any book, especially books that deserve headcanons and theories, you know, like major fantasy series where people think mm-hmm. about everything that's happening. Yeah. So I couldn't tell you if they were, but I don't think that there are. <laughs> so <laughs> That's fair. We don't have any for mine either. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I haven't really looked into it, but I mean, I don't, I don't believe that there are any. Every so often when we do this question, I just look up on the internet headcanons about book and I'm like, "Mm, I don't see anything that's really worthwhile. (laughs) But I like throwing that question in there every now and then because you never know. You never know. And I'm happy to do the question always, but it's just never something that's ever on my radar. Just like, "Mm, yeah, maybe (laughs) there could be. (laughs) Who knows? Um, Well, Julia. Yeah. could be a character from this book who would you be and why so i think if i was a character in this book it would probably be sibling dex Mm -hmm. because i am constantly wondering about my purpose in life (laughs) and like constantly just thinking about things that make me happy and things that i want to change in order to continue feeling content and so I'm honestly constantly moving all of the time and so I really connected with sibling decks in that regard um but if I could be anyone it would be moss cap nice of course it would be of course Mosscap. of course I know very little about this book except for what you've said but I do know that you're obsessed with moss cap moss cap is so great <laughs> moss cap is the sweetest moss cap. so uh there's one moment when like they're in the cave together and it's rainy and there's literally no romance involved with either of them they have no interest romantically in in each other um and it's it's dark and cold and Mosscap offers to hold hands with sibling Dex just because they they understand that sibling Dex is really kind of scared they're kind of scared of the dark and Mosscap is like well of course you're scared of the dark you're diurnal which means you can't see very well in the dark so Mm. do you want to hold my hand and will that make you feel better and sibling Dex is like yeah it would and then Mosscap is like okay great it'll make me feel better too and so then they just hold hands for the rest of the night and it's just so nice it's so sweet oh i know so like uh yes okay long-winded answer to a short question but it's it's I, so I love super Mothcap. sweet yeah. i love Mothcap. what about you if you could would you be a character from this book or are you a character from this book who would you be um that's tough. I think right now at my phase of life, I related most to Sadie's journey mm-hmm. and like the art that she wants to create and what she wants it to say about herself and what she wants it to mean and how hard she works to create these things. But I think in terms of a movie, who would I want to play? I would probably want to be Zoe, who is their music composer. 
for their games. And she is super vibey and Mm -hmm. she's whip, sharp, smart. She just says it like it is. And she just kind of comes in and out of the book and she just kind of drops truths and vibes. And I love it. That's amazing. I really admire her. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, Julia, yeah. we are sadly coming to the end of our premiere episode for season oh, three. Man. I oh, know. Man. I'm sorry. It's it, been a ride. It has to be this way. But, um, <laughs> what do you think people should read next? Recommendations for those who loved Psalm for the Wild Built. Okay. Well, if they have read Psalm for the Wild Built and haven't read the sequel, Prayer for the Crown Shy, they should definitely grab that. It is very good. Um, Just based on your recommendation, I feel like Legends and Lattes would probably also be a good fit. Um, And also, here's my little, like, spoiler for people listening. If you pre-order In the Lives of Puppets by T.J. Kloon, I think this would also fit in a good thing. And I got to interview T.J. about this book, and it's going to be released relatively soon. So I'm very excited about that. Um, And I think that also is a very solid fit for A Psalm for the Wild Built. Nice. I absolutely agree with all of your ideas. Thank you. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing recommendations. Thank you so Thanks. much, Julia. Yeah. What about you? Well, quite frankly, there's nothing quite like Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, but I picked these books mostly based on vibe. Like, <laughs> All right. I love I, that. Like, I can't... You're turning into me. I know. I can't really explain why these are recommendations for what you should read after Tomorrow, Tomorrow and Tomorrow. I just know mm-hmm. that they are... They are the recommendations for it. I thought of these books and then I did a little bit of research on the internet and they're what other people recommended too. So I know for some reason it's what we all feel. So here are my recommendations. If you loved Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, and it is Sea of Tranquility by Emily St. John Mandel. It is my personal favorite, Emily St. John Mandel, though I know she's very well loved for Station Eleven. Um, It is a story that takes place over hundreds of years. And it is about people growing up um, pre-pandemic, during a pandemic and post-pandemic. Emily loves her pandemic stories, but it also has to do with time travel and art and hope and love and grief. Really, really good. And how all of our stories connect to one another. It's a really good book. I also recommend Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reid because like this book, Daisy Jones and the Six is very interesting and it's very like character heavy and you learn so much, but there's not a, like a really a big, it's not a plot heavy story is mm-hmm. basically what I'm trying to say. Like tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. And then my final recommendation is a book that I've not read for years. So I'm not super sure if it's the right call, but I believe that it is. And it is The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. And it is about um, two young guys and their lives and how they interweave and them growing up and figuring out themselves. And I believe that there's a little bit of a mystery in there as well. But again, I read this as a teen, so I don't fully remember. These are my recommendations, and I hope that they suit 
I love that. Thank you for your recommendations. Yeah. Anytime. Anytime. (laughs) Happy to be here. Good. Well, with that, we heckin' did it, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, share us with your other bookish friends and family. And if you're listening with Spotify or Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate and review the show. We are off to record our newest mini-sode for our Patreon. If you're interested in joining our Novel Finds community on Patreon, follow the link in our bio. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at Novel Finds Podcast. Thank you so much for being a novel friend. We we will see y'all next week. Woo-woo. See you next week. Bye. Bye.